Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday, the show where we go through your takes that are a bit spicy, and we'll see how much we agree or disagree with them. Joining me on this week's edition, we've got Charlie Williams. Hello, Charlie. How's it going? Hello, I'm all good. Still reeling from the weekend and the race weekend and trying to catch up from sleep, but <laughs> all good. Have you recovered from your Sunday post wrap up um, funeral? Uh, yeah, that was that was very sad. I'm not, I shed a lot of tears, but I've, I'm feeling more positive this week. So we're all good. So this is the show where you send us your hot takes on Twitter every single week. And then me and a guest will sit down and review them and rate them on a scale of one to five as to how much we agree with them. One being the lowest and five being the highest. Now, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we were going to add a little twist to Hot Takes Wednesday this season. And here is the twist. If we both agree on the same rating... We're going to bank that take and come back to them at the end of the season for an end of year hottest and coldest takes of 2022 special edition. So for that to happen, both of us have to agree that the take is a one or a five. So this should be interesting to see what ends up on the, uh, I call it the Google sheet of poor judgment um, <laughs> over, over the course of the coming season. So let's see how we go. So Charlie, are you ready for Hot Takes Wednesday? I am. It's my first Hot Takes Wednesday as well. It is, If you yes. take away the Martin Brundle one that we did. So I'm yeah. excited. Yes, yeah, so you're in my hands now. It's a bit of a downgrade, unfortunately, <laughs> but we'll hopefully be able to, to soldier on regardless. Right, so... Take number one. It's from a slow motion. Um, again, forgive me in advance if I get any of these uh, names wrong. I'm terrible with names, so forgive me. Uh, but slow motion, uh, I, I believe is uh, how you pronounce it. Um, I love the fact that he says in his Twitter bio, Colton Herter laughed at my joke one time. That, that, oh, that's, I love a, that. that's a good thing to have in a bio. I do like that's that. That's a flex. That is. It is a flex. I like that. <laughs> the take reads as follows. Either Nick DeFreeze or Yuki Tsunoda will be fired either mid-season or come season end, and either Liam Lawson or Daniel Ricciardo will replace them. One more time. Either Nick DeFreeze or Yuki Tsunoda will be fired either mid-season or at season's end, and then either Liam Lawson or Daniel Ricciardo will replace them. Charlie, I'll let you go first on this one. How do you feel about this one? Okay, so this is a bit like a take of two halves really mm. isn't it because mm. firstly it's a hot take in itself that they think that Alf Tauri would make the same mistakes that Red Bull have in the past mm. and possibly get rid of their drivers mid-season secondly they think that Liam Lawson or Daniel Ricciardo could replace them look I do believe that Yuki is in a make or break year despite Franz Toss saying he wasn't <laughs> he did allude still that you know, Yuki needed to change his approach to the year, how he, you know, his results, he needed to bring more consistent points in, which is all right in saying, if you can provide a decent car, but may I add. Um, but no, I don't think that Alpha Tauri are going to do that. I don't agree with what Red Bull did with, you know, Alex and Pierre a few seasons ago. But Alpha Tauri, they're in a completely different position to what Red Bull were then. You know, Red Bull were trying to fight for the championship and things. Whereas, I mean, what what is Alpha Tauri doing? Just chilling at the back. So, um, yeah, I, do, I just I just don't think that that is likely. Also, I don't think bringing in yet another rookie 
is going to make any difference. And I know Liam Lawson, I rate Liam Lawson as a driver. I think he's very good. Um, but you could also argue that Nick DeVry isn't really a rookie. He's got more experience than Liam Lawson. Yeah, kind of, sort of, yeah. Um, nor do I think that if that car is that bad, that Daniel Ricciardo would be able to pull anything significant out of the car anyway. Right, here's how I look at it. Um, Chris, who sent, sent the take in, um, he's given himself a nice little wide net by saying season end. So I will go by that metric because I think a mid-season firing is ultimately quite unlikely. Mm. Um, so I don't think that will happen. I don't think either one will be so bad they'll they'll be cut mid-season. I don't think that'll be the case. And if anything, I think Yuki Sonoda cro- drove quite well in Bahrain, you know, nearly got a point. Um, you know, right at the end of the race, challenging Alex Albon and Williams have clearly improved. There's no doubt about that. Um, Alpha Tauri still look like a team that could be down the back end of the field, the lower end of the midfield. Um, so it's points are going to be at a real premium this year, especially if Aston Martin are now going to be regularly challenging the top six or even higher than that. So, um, I don't think, um, Franz's aims of Sonoda getting regular points are that realistic at the moment, to be honest. Um, so I don't think I don't think a mid-season firing will happen. I, I do agree with you. I think it is a make or break year for Yuki Sonoda. Nick DeFries, given that he's not your conventional rookie, given that he is 28 years old already, he's got the Formula E background. He was a world champion there. Um, you'd expect expectations to be a little bit higher for a driver of his standard. Um, look, it's not a great situation for either driver. The freeze is probably going to have to be good immediately, and Sonoda's probably in a make-or-break year in year three, um, and he kind of has to beat the freeze quite handily to look good because the the freeze argument you could kind of paint one either way if you really wanted to, um, and even then, if they are going to replace one or two of their drivers. Is Liam Lawson going to be your frontline option for to replace him with by the end of the season? Liam Lawson's over in Japan right now for Super Formula. You've got a bunch of academy dudes in Formula 2, again, who are all going to be angling for the title. Dennis Hauger had a very good first weekend in F2 this this season. Isaac Hyde is in the mix. Um, Lawson does have his super license, but there are guys in the F2 pipeline right now that could easily jump him in the queue if they're good. Like, Hauger's... I think a very good talent and he's driving for the rain in Formula 2 Constructors Champions and MP Motorsport. So I think there's a chance by the end of the year that the guy that will be front of the queue for a potential seat will actually be Dennis Hauger. And and the funny thing is as well, I did see an interview where Franz Toss said that there's no chance to bring in Ricardo back. Um, And they they, they couldn't be able to afford someone like Ricardo unless he's taking a huge pay cut. Um, And if if you've got Daniel Ricardo, you're not putting him in the junior team again. Exactly. I was literally just about to say that. Like I, for him as well, like his own state of mind. Why would he want to come back? He's that would basically be like starting his career again. Hmm. If he's coming back, he's going to the big bulls. Right. The, the, he's coming back the to big the big bulls. bulls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with with a U. I, 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 I yeah, see. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I see what you did there. Um. Yeah. So it, overall, I think. There's not a lot of this take that I agree with. I think there is a chance one of them goes at the end of the season. And with that in mind, I will say two. Because I don't think it's unthinkable that Lawson gets a seat next year. He's had practice sessions. He's got some experience of the car. He's got his super license now. So, you know, he's your oven-ready sort of prospect if you want to replace them 
Um, and yeah, I think there is a chance that someone goes at the end of the season. So I'm going to say two. I don't agree with it because of some of the finer nuances of the take, because I don't think Ricardo will come back and I don't think there'll be a mid-season firing. But I think there's a half chance that Lawson comes in for next year. So I'm going to say two on this one. How do you feel about it, Charlie? Yeah, I'm the same, I think, because there's so many different components to that take. But I only really agree with one of them in that, you know, Yuki or Nick could be replaced. But it's still, it's a big could. So, Mm. yeah, I'd give it a two. Yep. Thanks for that slow motion. Great take. And but yeah, ultimately we slightly disagree with you on that one. Not massively, but <laughs> so so only a two um on this occasion. Next up we have Acid Green 19, who sends in one team or driver dominating doesn't make the sport less fun or engaging by a significant amount because there's still the fights for second, third, fourth, and so on. So yeah, one more time. One team or driver dominating doesn't make the sport less fun or engaging by a significant amount because there's still the fights for second, third, fourth, and so on. Interesting perspective on, on, on the state. Well, I mean, this is, this is an interesting one because there's not really anything factual here. It's all really about your subjective idea of what you think entertainment in the series is. So Charlie, uh, talk away. Um, well, how, how do you feel about that? Are, are you someone that feels like there has to be a title fight? I would love to say that I totally agree with that <laughs> with that take. Um, and in some ways, I kind of do. As a McLaren fan, it's been a fair while since I've had the thrill of what it felt like having their team at the top. Um, so <laughs> I think as a fan, I've kind of just sunk into those midfield battles because that's all I've had to look forward to. So I enjoy them. Um Of course, like, you know, McLaren have had, like, taste at victories in the last four years, but nothing to make me believe that they're anywhere near championship contenders. So I just kind of enjoy what I can. So, like, if it's a podium, I admit, like, I have cried over over many a podium that, like, Lando has had or, like, Monza, I was in bits. But, like, you know, it's almost like that, that, I don't don't know how to explain it. It's It's still a love for the midfield and it's still a love for when they get, you know, even, even fourth and fifth, I celebrate those, those moments. That being said, I feel like this person is telling slight porkies because if you were to offer them a once in a lifetime opportunity to have an entire season where there was like a four way fight for the title, would you turn it down? Of course not. No. So, um, but it's just not going to happen. So I think the sooner that we come to terms with that, the better. Um, I admit sometimes I can be a bit salty about the possi- like the possibility about being another year of Red Bull dominance. But I also heavily complained about Mercedes dominance. And I like Lewis and he's one of my favorite drivers, but I still got slightly bored of him winning. But Formula One without a dominant fig- like without a dominant figure isn't Formula One. And, you know, unless it's your favorite driver, that is one that is the one that's dominating the sport. You're not going to find it very fun, are you? Exactly. I mean, I was a huge Sebastian Vettel fan until he retired. And of course, and I've been a fan for a long time. And I was right there as a young adult when 2010 to 2013 was going down. Now, don't get me wrong. 
We also had two of the better title fights of recent memory in Vettel's reign, 2010 and 12, were all-time great seasons. So we were a little we were a little bit spoiled. I know people said, oh, Vettel dominated and Red Bull dominated, but it, it was actually a little bit more complicated than that. Um, the Mercedes era was certainly a case where that was true. Okay, we're just going to hammer the field into submission year <laughs> on year. And don't get me wrong, I love Lewis, but I'm a sports fan first, and... I I could never criticize anybody who says that the sport's boring of had a fight for the top because you care most about who wins. Winning is what generates fans. It's the easiest way to gain fans. It was I don't like the term bandwagoner in in as it comes to sports fans because people like to back winners. That's how sport works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that's inevitable. And look, me personally. I love breaking down stories that come from Formula One, and they're not necessarily from the highest part of the sport. I think the most intriguing part of what made Bahrain a watchable race as opposed to a complete bore fest was the fight for third between Sainz, Hamilton, Alonso. We had Russell and Stroll go at it a little bit in the midfield as well. Towards the end, we had Albon and Sonoda and Zhou Guanyu um, and Gasly coming up through the field. It's a shame Gasly, Gasly didn't get any goddamn airtime at all, despite going from 20th to 9th. That was a darn shame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like for me, I love breaking down the little stories. I love seeing the politics of the sport come into play as well. I find the politi- the political side of the sport as entertaining as the driving sometimes, because what were the biggest drama points that we had through last year? It was Red Bull and the cost cap scandal. It was the team orders between their two drivers. It was the porpoising and the politics regarding that. I mean, Drive to Survive gave us an absolute <laughs> gift of the team principal, <laughs> of the team principal conversation where Toto's basically pandering about the safety, despite the fact we know if you're a hardcore fan, Mercs were intentionally running their cars really low anyway. And then Christian Horner saying, well, Jen, fix your effing car. You know, that's great entertainment. Um, you know, so I am a fan of the politics just as much as I am a fan of the sport itself. So with that in mind, I'm actually going to agree with Acid Green to a large degree that I don't think the sport is as simple as, you know, oh, well, who wins is the only thing that matters. And that's the defining factor of whether a season is good or not, um, or whether a period of time in the sport is dominant or not. But I can also see the argument that if you're a sports fan, ultimately you care most about who wins and who loses. So, you know, I could I, I get both sides of the argument here. I'm probably gonna call it even and say three on this one. If there was a three point five option, I'd say three and a half, but <laughs> but I don't want to confuse the audience uh, with, with our rating system enough as it is. So I'm gonna say three on this one. What do you reckon, Charlie? Yeah, I think a three as well. It kind of I I don't see why both ends of that spectrum can't coexist. You know, you can kind of want non-complete dominance and also enjoy everything else that's going on in the midfield so 100%. a three for me yeah i agree with you on that one three it is uh interesting take right next one up leslaw on twitter leslaw 44 uh says nobody but red bull wins a title until 2026 and that's a bold one if I, do, if I do say so myself i don't think i need to repeat it but i will one more time just to make sure nobody but red bull wins a title until 2026 now 
that's significant. Of course, 2026 is the next major regulation change. New power units will be coming in 2026. Um, the hybrid will be simplified. I think they're getting rid of the MGUK, I want to say, or the H1 of the two MGUs. So we're now saying that Red Bull wins the next three championships and that no one reigns them in. Interesting. Charlie, what do you reckon? Do you think the field will be able to catch up? Or do you think this is going to be Red Bull's next run of dominance until the rules have a big change again? Uh, I feel like, you know, the question before, I was just like, oh, you know, let's not be salty. And now I'm going to be here like, <laughs> I am salty. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Firstly, no, is my honest answer. I don't think that this will happen, but maybe that's more wishful thinking. Don't get me wrong. Red Bull have found a package and, you know, it's ridiculously reliable and quick. We've only had one race and I'm with George Russell in this one that I think that they could honestly win every single race this season. Not mm. necessarily just Max, but like, you know, between him and Checo, yeah. I definitely think that's a possibility. But, you know... Up to 2026. We're in 2023 now. I will probably have some kind of breakdown if this is the way that the sport is going to go. Um, I think I mentioned this in our other pod the other day, but Red Bull's dominance just feels so much more different to, you know, like the Mercedes era. I just, they, and, you know, you mentioned like the Seb era. There was still people around them that were, you know, competing with them at least. But I just feel like, they have just run away with this. And if it's like that until 2026, I will cry. Um, but I have faith in the other teams to figure out where on earth they've gone wrong and to start to sort it out. And my thought process for that is that I think some of the lower midfield teams have really turned a corner this season. Williams are looking like they've got quite decent pace. Haas look like they've got some decent pace. And let's not even get started on Aston Martin. Mm -hmm. So if they can do that in a season... I think by 2026, we'll be looking at a much tighter top three again. I admire your optimism. Really, <laughs> I do. Um, I'm going to pour cold water on this because I largely agree with what Les Law is saying. <gasps> I, I, hate no. to be the, I, I hate to be that guy, but um, don't get me wrong. I think there is absolutely a law of diminishing returns in Formula One where eventually the field will catch up. They'll copy elements off the Red Bull um, and it'll get to a point where there's less gains to make before the rules change. Um, and that will lead to the field inevitably closing up. But it's already one of the closest competitive fields we've ever had in F1, personally, for, which is wild to say the least. But Red Bull was so stupid good in Bahrain that was that was like 2014 again where it was the first year of the hybrids and I remember races like Bahrain where there was a safety car right at the end and and I think they broke off a I think Hamilton and Rosberg while fighting for the win broke off a 24 second lead in like 10 laps it was ridiculous yeah. on the rest of the field or I remember Spain that same year I think that again it was a Merckx 1-2 and I think the next car was 50 seconds back it was Daniel Ricciardo it's his first year at the Red Bull senior team um it feels like that I mean Alonso for all the magic of his third place was still 38 seconds behind the winner <laughs> which is you know <laughs> there's levels to this um and <laughs> 
you know, that was a huge improvement for Aston Martin. Don't get me wrong, but compared to where Red Bull were, there's still a, it's a vast gaping chasm. Um, you know, we're talking three quarters of a second a lap, and Red Bull more or less admitted they were holding back in the second half of that race. Like Verstappen was getting told off for pushing too much. Um, they 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 admitted they turned the power units down for the last ten laps. I even saw in the race review chart that. Verstappen never cracked 187 miles an hour in the race, which means he didn't use DRS once the whole Grand Prix. (laughs) (laughs) That's how dominant Max Verstappen was during that race in Bahrain. He didn't even need DRS, not even for a back marker. Uh, That's how wild this was. I can't help but shake the feeling that with their two main competitors licking their wounds right now about how bad they were. Charles Leclerc's power unit failing for Ferrari, and they've already lost a significant amount of ground already. And Merck's fully despondent about their car, basically calling it a write-off, their current concept. <laughs> you might as well chuck this title away. You might have to chuck next year's away trying to close the gap again with, a, with whatever new concept anybody brings to the table. I'm going to say four on this one. I think Red Bull might run the table for the next three years. I think there is a distinct possibility that they will do that. What do you reckon, Charlie? I'm gonna go with a two, I think, because oh, I, I still know. there's there's still a little bit of doubt. <laughs> but I'm trying to stay optimistic that this isn't <laughs> going to happen. Mm. And I just I don't know. I think, you know, you say about Mercedes throwing away their current concept. I mean the Aston Martin is um, basically a third Red Bull, isn't it, really? Like, it's yeah. last year's Red Bull. So what is stopping any other team now from being like, right, that's what Red Bull... I mean, although if Mercedes did it, guaranteed that there would be some <laughs> just a tiny bit of uproar from uh, other teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but- we saw Red Bull pull out green cans of energy drink when Aston Martin pulled out that green bull in Spain <laughs> last year. Red, Red Bull, pettiness, never. Um, yeah. You know, so... But- but yeah, because of that, I just I I just think if they're already talking about bringing in like, you know, B-spec cars and already developing, I think I have some hope. I have hope. I'm glad one of us does. <laughs> at least. I'm glad at least one of us has some hope. So Charlie with a two, me with a four on that one. Next one up from uh, Lennon DP. Uh, hi, Lennon. Good to see you. Uh, sends in a take that says, Lando Norris will look at the possibility to end his contract early, which expires in 2025, to move to a competitive team, and he will take Carlos's seat at Ferrari. Okay. So let Lando Norris will look to end his contract early to move to a competitive team and he will take Carlos's seat. You know what's funny about that, Charlie? Remember when Carlos Sainz drove for McLaren? (laughs) Remember when Carlos Sainz ended his contract early so he could go to Ferrari? Yeah. Uh, And we're now thinking that Lando Norris might do the exact same thing himself. (laughs) I mean, no, it's not going to happen because I said so. (laughs) <laughs> somehow i suspect a tinge of personal bias is coming to play here i, I, I might be wrong but i feel I, I feel like i feel like you feel quite strongly about this charlie and i can't possibly imagine why nothing to do with the mclaren on your shelf no no not at all. no definitely not right okay. only fair you attack this one first how do you feel about it 
right, let's be real right now, okay? Will Lando look at the possibility to end his contract earlier than 2025? If he has the clause to, I think absolutely. And that kills me to say, but I think he will. I feel like every time I come onto a pod, I rave about Lando and I know he's a bit of a Marmite personality, but I just, I you know, just because of that, they hate his driving ability, but I genuinely think he is a world-class talent and I Agreed. could genuinely see him you know, winning titles. And with McLaren at the moment, they are almost wasting his talent. It's easy to forget that Lando's, like this is Lando's fifth year in Formula One. Yeah, He's growing up and he's seeing all these around him, you know, come up through that he's come up with the ranks with or made good friends with. You've got Max, George, Charles, they're all like competing for race wins and he's still, you know, well, <laughs> struggling to even get, get the car into the points at, at the moment. If there isn't a performance clause in the contract, McLaren will 100% not let him go because they know that he is one of the best drivers on that grid and probably one of the best that they will ever get as well. Um, and I want to believe that McLaren can turn this around, obviously, and give not just Lando, but Oscar too, a car that both of them can battle for podiums or wins with. I think championship will always be that little bit too far out of reach for the team for at least like many, many years. Like I'm expecting to be like with a with a little beep beep thing in going around by the time I see McLaren win a championship again. But <laughs> I, I my issue is I don't really see where he goes because let's just you know let's just say now he is not taking Carlos's seat at Ferrari that is not happening that is definitely not happening you know I'd like him to hang out at McLaren and replace Lewis when Lewis retires but Lewis has also admitted that he will be staying racing until he gets his eighth title so Lando could be waiting for a while I mean he could replace Checo at Red Bull I suppose which would really haunt me morally um <laughs> but in terms of replacing Carlos's seat nah I I think Ferrari are pretty confident in their current driver lineup and you could even argue that it's one of the best driver lineups on the grid right now so I don't think that Lando will end up there um so yeah I agree but don't agree with that statement do you, do you feel better now that you've gotten all that off your chest yeah I feel like <laughs> That's a very long rant. <laughs> Understandable. Oh. Um, this is an interesting one because I can't believe I'm saying this. I largely agree with Charlie on this one. I do think Lando Norris, if he has the right people around him, if he has a smart agent, at this point, I think he'd be foolish to at, to at least not put a feeler out there and see if anybody in the big three would take him. Because at this point, the only way Lando is moving is to a team that is a bona fide top contender. And I think Lando yeah. Norris is good enough to justify that sort of seat. I think he's a top five driver on the grid, pound for pound. I think Lando Norris is a world-class racing driver. Um, he's done exceptional work at McLaren. And I think if McLaren can't give him a car, to be successful with, then he's well within his rights to try and chase one that he thinks might be able to. Um, if there is a performance clause in the in this contract, and again, most of them do, some of them don't. We don't know that. We can only speculate. Um, I, I I suspect if he signed a three year extension, that there'd be something in there to break that off early because three year deals are not common in F one. They are quite rare. 
So I agree with that half of the take. I think Lando will look to end his contract early if he's fed up at McLaren, which I think there is every possibility he might be. I mean, McLaren are chasing their tails. Then they didn't have a great opening. More on that later, by the way. Um, and um, and also that he's been there five years now and they've not really gotten anywhere near a world championship. I mean, even wins have been scarce opportunities for him since joining I don't think it will be for Carlos's seat, though. I think it will be for Mercedes when Hamilton decides to retire. I think that's the one that strikes me as the big target. I think Hamilton is the most likely figure in the big six to cause a domino effect and cause another silly season. Mm-hmm. I think Charles still has, I think, three years left on his current deal. Carlos is is on the first year of a two year deal, and I think they're content with him at the moment. Perez, if he if the car is dominant and Perez can keep finishing second, that's fine. No one, the Red Bull's not going to move heaven and earth if Perez is picking up three hundred points every year. That's more than enough. Hamilton is the one I circle, and I think is Hamilton going to stick around long term? Like he's he's in a contract here right now. I think he will sign a new deal at Mercedes. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it will be for long. I think two years maximum. Maybe one and done to see if Merckx can turn it around. Um, I know there's a possibility drivers are more likely to race into their 40s now, because we've seen that with Alonso right now. Raikkonen did as well. <laughs> they raced until they were 41, 42 years old. And Hamilton being 38, I think there's every chance he could do the same. He is still one of the two or three best drivers in the world. But I think with Merckx... I think the allure of an all-British team. I know that Jim Ratcliffe owns a third of Mercedes of Ineos. They're very big on that patriotism vibe. And I think the idea of an all-British F1 team, you know, running Brackley, two British drivers, I think that'll be very appealing to someone like him as well. You know, very Brexit, if I do say so myself, but (laughs) um, very, very, you know, Union Jack, et cetera, et cetera. So I... I'm going to give you a three for that, Lennon, for the reason of I think Lando will try and get out early, but I don't agree with the seat in question. I think it'll be Mercedes. <laughs> so I'm going to say three on that one. Mm. What do you reckon, Charlie? Mm, because I'm so like, because I agree with the first part of that take so much, I'm going to give it a four, but it's sure. a one for the for the Ferrari car loss bit because I just don't think I, that's not going to happen. So should we split the difference and call it a three? No, I want to stick with the four. Thank you. Oh, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> Sorry, madam. Um, if, 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 if... I agree that strongly, Dre. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I'm not going to argue with you. Okay, four it is. Four it is. Like, you've got some agreement, Lennon. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I, I, I clearly am a chicken who sits on the fence. Charlie has got a lot more conviction than I am about this. Can't, again, can't imagine why. Um, <laughs> next take, take number five from Daniel at Dan Dislate, who says... Oh, it's another McLaren take. Um, I wonder who picked these. Um, McLaren only had one bad weekend and will recover quickly like they did last year. This is interesting take. McLaren only had one bad weekend and will recover quickly like they did last year. Now, is is this going to be coming from a place of deep optimism, Charlie? Or are you going to be honest about this? How do you feel about McLaren here? A five. This is an absolute five. (laughs) Well, I think that answers my, I think that answers that question. Um, for, for me, I... <laughs> uh, me personally, 
I think McLaren's hedging a lot of their bets on their Baku upgrade. They've, they've been very open about saying that the car's underperformed and they're waiting on this Baku upgrade that's coming at the end of April. I think it's April 30th we race in Baku or something like that. Um, that's around four now because of the silly month-long gap we've got now with no China. Um, they did recover quite well last year early on, and then all of a sudden the Imola Lando ended up third. But that was kind of the peak of their season, really, which is also a bit weird. So they did eventually climb up to giving Alpine a reasonable fight for fourth, but I think Ricardo was probably part of the problem. Um, maybe not having a second consistent scorer probably hurt them in that fight, even with Alpine having all those technical problems they had with their engines dying. McLaren's got a lot of resources still. They're still a good team. I still think they will be able to claw themselves into decent midfield play. If there's one thing that's given me a bit of hope, when their car was briefly working during Bahrain, and it wasn't long, sorry, Charlie, um, they were running like with Williams for minor points. So that gives me a little bit of hope that they're not that bad. But again, there are four distinctive teams in F1 now that are better than them. It, the big three is now like a big one. And then the second pack of three is probably going to take a lot more of these points, which worries me that a good day for McLaren might be ninth as opposed to maybe fourth or fifth. So that in itself might stunt what could be seen as a recovery in inverted commas. I can't, I can't say, I can't, I, we record this on Zoom, so I can't give you the visual medium of me giving the inverted commas. But um, that's how I feel about it. Charlie, how do you feel about it? Besides say, five, five, we're going to recover, honest. Right. Here's my take. I actually saw something that said that McLaren didn't actually have bad pace during the Bahrain Grand Prix. And Lando confirmed that as well, that they were actually, they were good enough, their pace was good enough to have scored points the only thing that let them down was reliability and i know that's a big thing of it's course kind of, a, kind of a big deal that one though isn't it, it is yeah but if they sought that and like you know it was very unfortunate bahrain was um probably <laughs> it was probably one of the worst races that mclaren have had for a little while you know for both of their drivers yeah um and i, I but that their problem is the reliability and i saw i've seen the numbers and they are actually a very similar pace to the Mercedes and Alpine that McLaren is. I've seen them. They're true. Um, so I actually, I do think that this take is quite true. And I know it's easy to kind of drag them as the worst car on the grid right now, because that is what it looks like. Um, and But it, we got to remember that it, it was just one race. And after a three-day testing session at the same circuit, you can't judge completely about you know different tracks bring different conditions um and as soon as they've sorted out those issues i do think that they'll be back fighting in the midfield i'm not going to go as far as to say that they're going to be fighting with like aston martin but i definitely think challenging for fourth and fifth is is is, is gonna happen by the end of this year okay and with that in mind how do you get scored the take are you taking that as a five now <laughs> still have just a little bit of doubt so i am gonna go for a for a four again because there is also that little that i've got a little devil on my shoulder that's telling me don't do it because 
like look at it this weekend but I want to believe and the little angel on the other shoulder is telling me it's a four I'm gonna say four I think I think you're right I think that they will climb back I don't think the car is necessarily slow I think it just looks like it's a bit of a handful. And um, to be fair, that's kind of been McLaren for the last two or three years, (laughs) depending on who you ask. So, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. And like I said, I think the pace of the car itself is like lower end points. So that's not dreadful. I know people are very quick to rag on big teams struggling. Um, the narratives yeah. get they get written very quickly. I think McLaren will probably be fine. I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, I think they could be fighting for fifth rather than fighting for fourth this year <sighs> with, with Alpine and whatnot. Because I think I think the big four looks pretty set. But we'll have to wait and see how in season development plays out. Just again. you wait till Jeddah. Just you wait. I'm going to make a note of that one, Charlie. <laughs> I'll be what, what what's my forfeit if we're like dead last? Ooh, maybe getting you in, maybe 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 getting you in an Aston cap or something. Uh, <laughs> I have just, an Aston top, but it's Seb, so I think yeah, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll I'll think of something creative. Okay, come come back to me. Take number six, and it's a straightforward one from our friend and yours, Stig's fat cousin. Fantastic username, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, it's 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 to the point. Alonso is overrated. Bang! Alonso is overrated from Stig's fat cousin. I, I might get chased out of here for, with a pitchfork, depending on how this take goes down. It's, it's, uh, we all know that anyone that knows how F1 is discussed on social media knows Fernando Alonso is extremely popular, um, extremely well-liked, and a lot of people think he's God's gift to driving. Now... <laughs> We've got to be careful. I've got, I've, I'm going to. I'll start us off on this one. I, I've got, you've got to be a little bit careful on this one because this is like this is hype, obviously, because this is the first Alonso podium in a couple of seasons, not since Qatar, the one-off time he raced over there. Um, he hasn't really had a car this good since maybe 2013. We're going back a long way for the last time Fernando had a car this good. Um, so of course people are gonna be sitting here now after like ten years of Alonso laying dormant that he's the best he's looked competitively in F1 for a long, long time. And it's like, yes, we knew Alonso was the best driver in the world all along. He's back. And after one race where he performs really well or acted like, you know, like <laughs> a, all that vindication after all those years of McLaren struggles and the sabbatical to chase the triple crown and, and all of that crap. He's back. This is, this is what we're here for. I've always thought Alonso has been overrated personally um and this is not just me being a salt a, a bit of sebastian vettel fan okay it partly is me being a, a bit of <laughs> vettel fan if i'm being completely frank with you i think like i think alonso is a borderline top 10 driver of all time and the thing is that take would be deemed as controversial for a lot of people that insist he's up there with prost senna louder some of the other big name top 10 bona fide legend picks of all time that are in F1. And I don't think Alonso's quite there. And he's had his fit. I mean, the problem with Alonso is, is that he's such a good driver. And I, I'm not disputing this racecraft, his general speed on track, the fact that he's still this good at 41 is impressive. But he's, his political decision-making has been so bad in terms of what teams he's chosen to drive for and when that it adds question marks to how 
great his career is overall because he spent so many years for uncompetitive teams um, and being in the wrong place at the wrong time, like going back to Renault after leaving McLaren the first time round and going back to McLaren and being completely mediocre, um, probably staying at Ferrari a little bit too long, for example. I mean, it's those things. Like apparently he turned Nan Red Bull in 2009. Imagine what happens in a in a parallel universe where you have Alonso <laughs> and Vettel as teammates in 09. Could, could you imagine? Um, that, that would have been fun, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> I think he's slightly overrated in the grand scheme of things. I mean, how do you feel about Alonso, Charlie? This is going to be an interesting one. <laughs> you kind of said everything that I think as well, to be fair. I think in terms of fanfare, Alonso is quite overrated. I see a lot of shouts, like you say, about him being like the greatest of all time. And I just don't see that personally. But I always argue, and I have this little debate with myself quite often, and you can pitch in on what you think about this. But can someone be overrated if they've got literal world championships? How can they be overrated if they've literally proven that they are one of the best in the business? But, right? I know that on the flip side of that, you can be like, well, if you're given the best car, anyone can win a championship. But I do believe that winning a championship comes down to more than just having the best car. That's just my opinion. I feel like, you know, this overrated, underrated, it is very subjective. It depends on a lot more than just what you see on track and statistics. I think if, like you said, you're a Seb fan, so you're naturally, you know, (laughs) there's that rival there. Mm. Um, So, again, I just, I don't really, I don't know. For me, like you said, again, Alonso has this unique ability of picking the right team at the wrong time. And um, most of the time he ends up in a car that is not competitive enough for a race win. And I think that kind of just makes him rated but (laughs) rather than overrated or underrated he's just there but I think you really need to look at you know the way that he can he also has this incredible ability of just pulling everything he can out of the car that he has when you consider 2012 he didn't win the championship that year but he wasn't far off and Vettel's Red Bull was so much more superior than his Ferrari was and he that car above its weight and ended the season second in the drivers' championship. I think you make some valid points. And the thing about <laughs> the the tag rated and putting the word over or under next to it is that it's always a game of perception. Like yeah. how you perceive Alonso in your distinct world of F1, because everyone's perspective is different. So like I, I've often said this about people like Nico Hulkenberg. He's one of the most divisive people in terms of how good people think he is. Because a lot of people will look at him and say, he's never finished on the podium. He's dreadful. But then a lot of people will look at his seasons individually and go, but he's clearly good. He's, he's had a, he's had, he always had some very good midfield seasons as well. He's one of those guys that seems to divide opinion. And I think Alonso is one of those people because I think the people that love Alonso adore him mm. and think he's like basically modern day Ayrton. And there's a lot of people that can't stand him who think he's massively overrated, who think that people blow smoke up his ass and all of that and just put him down at every opportunity. I'm somewhere in the middle of on that. I think he's an all-time great. I think he's one of the 12 or so best drivers ever. Um, I, I, I literally went, went through my head mentally ranking who, how many guys would I have ahead of Alonso all time? And when I got to 10... I started to struggle 
So I think I think he's adequately rated, but I also I'm going to go f- two on this one for the reason of I can understand why people got excited about Alonso, which is what I think led up to this take being sent in the first place. So and, and it's, it's understandable given the buzz of Aston Martin. They've been the story of the season so far, I would argue. I can get why Alonso fans, especially after all the years of largely being in not particularly great machinery, he might have a decent car again. And I mean, he put it on, he put it on the goddamn podium on debut. That's mad impressive. There's no getting around yeah. that. And the way he carved up Hamilton and signs to do it was was very very strong indeed. So I'm going to say two, Charlie. What do you reckon? I'm the same. I think two as well. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not Alonso's biggest fan either, but I can appreciate his driving ability. And mm. um, he is a very well-rounded driver. And I do want to see him achieve more than what he's already achieved in his career. So yeah, I would probably, I would say too as well. Okay. I'm surprised we actually agreed on that one. I, <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought there'd be a bit more divisiveness there, but yeah, I had to really battle with myself in my head on that one. Right. Uh, last take of the day. It comes from SUFC James. I'm trying to see if, what, what club that is. Oh, Sheffield United. Oh, that's why it's SUFC. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the, so how's Wednesday keeping you these days? Uh, don't, I joke, I joke. Um, SUFC James who asks, Williams will not finish last in the Constructors this year. I love this in brackets. I said this before this weekend. <laughs> I, I love that he had to clarify that. That's, that's that's brilliant. So Williams will not finish last in the constructors this year. Now, when did you say this, SU James? Get in touch. Follow me on Twitter at Dre underscore WTF1 and tell me, when did you come out with this? Because if you said this before testing, I'd have said, you're probably crazy. And I'd be leading towards one. If you said it after testing, I'd probably say that's more like a two. But if you, but if you're, but if you're lying to me and you're saying this now after the first race, I'd probably say that this is more like a four or a five, because Williams have clearly improved. There is no doubt about that. They were the bottom feeders last year, and they were occasionally in the points, but not, not frequently. I think they only scored like eight all year. Um, they got a point on debut. And I think this was the first year since I want to say 2017 where Williams scored points in the first round of a race. So this is a this is a team that struggled for a long time in F1. This might be the best car they've had on paper for a good five or six years. So with that in mind, I'm probably gonna keep this under keep this one relatively short and say, well, I've kind of got no choice now but to like if I was basing this off of the race itself, I would say four, probably a five even. But if we're being genuine, I'll, I will use my thoughts that I had from before the race, which was I think they'll still be last, but I think they'll be a more competitive last. That's what mm-hmm. Albon's goal was, and I agreed with him when he said that. Which in which in that case, I would say probably two. So I'm going to say two on that one. I'm going to hope you're being honest, James. That's what's what I would say. So I'm going to say two. What do you reckon, Charlie? Or what, what did you reckon? I guess is the is a better way of looking at it. I actually quite agree with this, but mm. my issue right now is that if it's not Williams, I can't really place anybody else that could be last in the championship instead. And I'm not ready to say McLaren. Um, 
And I just, that Williams does have more pace than uh, than it has for a little while. And it was Massa who got the last point in the opening round as well. Just a right. side note. Um, and that was 2017. But yeah, I just, I you know, Alex was very honest saying that he thought that they could have actually gotten into Q3 and, um, you know, they had damage and that's why they didn't. Their battles in Bahrain with McLaren, like even Logan Sargent, a rookie, finished 12th. I think that's incredible. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't like to, I don't, I'm not that one of those people that like to say, oh, well, the car's good in, because I almost think that, that that downplays their performance. But that car must be significantly better than it was for both of them to, you know, well, for Alex to get points and for Logan to not be that far away as well on his, like, you know, his F1 debut. Um, so I don't know that I, I agree, but like I say, I can't really put anybody else at the bottom instead. So um, do we just have nobody and it's, they're just all equal instead and they all just end up on the same amount of points at the end of the it's like, you know, it would be like Red Bull, the other three, and then everybody else. Such a cop-out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, midfield is just so it's just so tight, though. Like, I just can't yeah. call it at the moment. No, I, 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 just... I see where you're coming from. Like, Alpha Tauri still looked pretty drab, but then Sonoda almost got a point. Yeah. Hulkenberg qualified well, got into Q3 with the Haas, but then had a terrible start and never really recovered. But it's clear they've got upside. So could you put Haas at the bottom? Maybe. I don't know. Could you put Alfa Romeo down the bottom? Because we saw how they developed last year and they fell down the order quite quickly. There's three or four contenders for the bottom spot, I would say. And Williams could easily still be one of those teams by the end of the season. The development race will make things interesting, is what I would say, certainly. So I'm going to say an optimistic (laughs) two, because I thought that I still think they might end up at the bottom because I'm not sure how the development is going to be over the course of the year. But that's going purely off you telling the truth, James, and saying that you thought that before <laughs> this weekend started. Um, the timing of this is uh, questionable. But what, do you, <laughs> but what do you reckon, Charlie? I think I'm going to go in the middle then, and I think I'm going to leave it as a three because I, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I, I want to believe that they won't they won't be last, but equally I don't see anybody else replacing that last spot at the moment. So I'm torn. So a three is. Cop out. Such a cop out <laughs> answer. Uh, Char- Char- Charlie out here giving us the tamest of opinions on the way out here. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that'll do it for this week's Hot Take Wednesday. We'll be back next week to go through some of your hot takes based on the 2023 season or just about anything else in F1 in general. Nothing going in the hottest and coldest pile this week. Maybe <laughs> next week we'll see what ends up being selected. But until next time, I've been Dre Harris and she's been Charlie Williams. Until next time, sayonara. Take care. Bye.